got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You know, we got past that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. Ah! Beautiful. We are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery on today's show. As always... And we are going to have a fun one. We're talking plenty KU Iowa State. We've got some more KU basketball player previews. Lee Sterling will join us in the 4 o'clock hour. We've got our game picks. Chiefs Dolphins preview. Big one for Kansas City over the weekend. And, uh, yeah, plenty of KU football talk. You can hear that game on Saturday at 4.30 for pregame. Kickoff at 6 o'clock right here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. Tonight we got high school football. Free State will play on 92.9 The Bowl and bowl929.com against Manhattan. Lawrence High will be playing against Derby High School. That one at 7 o'clock as well over at Derby High School on KLWN with Sam Speck, Matt Llewellyn on the call. Uh, Nick Springer and uh, Nolan Henderson will be on the call of the Free State game. Okay, so KU Iowa State. This is where we start every week. KU comes in 6-2, and two, yep. technically in 6th of the Big 12, though they are ranked 21st in the country in the uh, college football playoff rankings. Mm. Big 12, best football conference in mm. the country? People are wondering. Uh, Iowa State is tied for first in the Big 12. They're 5-3 and three overall, 4-1 and one in conference play. How important is this game? Oh, it's everything. I mean, this is the game where off the Oklahoma win, now you have a chance to really cement yourselves as a legitimate Big 12 title contender, which that's been the talk all season long from the players, is that this is, what we, this is our goal. This is our goal. If that's your goal, these are the games you win. You go on the road and you defeat a an opponent that, although they are in front of you in the standings, I think Iowa State is inferior to Kansas on paper when you look down the stats. Kansas appears to have the better team when you look at the stats. I, it's on the road, though. Anything can happen on the road. But this, this game is very, very important. Every game from here on out, is very, very important. Because if your goal is to get to the Big 12 title game, like we've discussed, that probably entails going undefeated the rest of the season. So that means every game you are basically playing for that goal. Every game is that heightened level of importance. Every game matters the most, especially after winning against Oklahoma. And I think this game is even more important beyond that because KU's had a track record of of having a big win and then kind of letting it down afterwards in the next week. You have a chance to rewrite that here against Iowa State. You have a chance, if you're Jason Bean, to really cement yourself as, uh, cement your legacy at KU, right? You know, you had an up-and-down game against Oklahoma, but you came through in the end and got the win for Kansas. Now you can go on the road and win at a place where KU has not had a lot of success. I mean, they've had some bad, bad, really bad games in Ames. Go back to the first game under Lance Leipold. They've had games where they had less than 40 yards of offense against Iowa State, going back even beyond, even further back. Uh, now you have a chance to, to, to change that narrative a bit and go out and get a win. And, and a win against Iowa State, I mean, at this stage, you're in the hunt as Big 12 title, right? You've got basically six, probably six, seven teams in the, quote-unquote, in the hunt, right? If you win this game against Iowa State, 
you're no longer in the hunt. Mm-hmm. You're now one of the contenders. You're one of the hunters or hunted. <laughs> I don't know. One of the two. Anyway, you're one of the contenders if you win this game. So yeah, every game just ratcheted up in importance more and more from here up from here going forward. If you're Kansas, because you're bowl eligible, you've beaten Oklahoma. Now you can really focus all out on what you're on what you have claimed has been your main goal along, which has been getting to the Big 12 title. And if that's the case, this is a game you have to win. Yeah, uh, from that standpoint, from if we are starting to view things as Big 12 title contention, you're right. I mean, every game is the utmost importance because for you to have a chance at making the Big 12 title game, you have to win out. Correct. Would you agree with that? Like, yes. getting in at, at three I mean, losses in the Big 12, I mean, that's going to take some magic, it's, right? It's, it's going to take a, a lot of... Uh, shenanigans. Weird things to happen. Because it it feels like with OU and Texas, it's like, okay, that's asking a lot for both of that, or I guess at least one of them to lose twice, and, and K-State to lose twice, and Iowa State to lose twice, especially if you lose this game, and Oklahoma State to lose twice, right? Which, by the way, Oklahoma State, after this week against Oklahoma, cakewalk. Oklahoma, after this week against Oklahoma State, cakewalk. Texas, after this week against Texas, against uh, Kansas State, pretty easy schedule. Yeah. Kansas State's the only one that really still has to, because Kansas State, if you think about it this way, Kansas State still has Texas this week, obviously, Kansas and Iowa State left. So they're the one team that's maybe at the, I would say, is at the biggest disadvantage here. I guess between between Kansas, Iowa State, and K-State, those three are at a bigger disadvantage compared to Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Texas, I would say. Sure. So, you know, the odds of two of Oklahoma State, Texas, and Oklahoma dropping multiple games is, I would say, pretty slim, Mm -hmm. which means your best option, go out. And win. Right. So from that standpoint, it's a 10, if if you want to view it from that ledger. From the view of, like, well, you're bowl eligible now, you got a top 10 win, everything else is the cherry on top. Sure. This game has lower importance. Yeah, I know? agree with that. Because, because they, it's the they game can you're lose probably... this game, and by far this season can still be a success. Absolutely. They can lose this game and finish 8-4, and four, mm-hmm. and you would be very happy with that. So, yeah, I, I think that's where the big cutoff is with this game. It's If you believe, which... Again, in, in the locker room, it seems like they they believe this. If you believe, if you're Kansas, you're you can contend for the Big Twelve title. You can play for the Big Twelve title this season. Must win game. If you're satisfied with being bowl eligible and continuing to advance the program forward, you're right. This game doesn't take on as much significance because it is on the road. It is a game. That, I mean, listen, you're not favored to win it. You're underdogs going into this game, right? So it's not a game that you are necessarily expected to win. It's not a game that you necessarily have to win to feel like the season is, is a success. You can still go 8-4, and four, right? I mean, you look at the last three games, Texas Tech, you should be able to win that one. Kansas State, eh. And Cincinnati, bad. You can still go 8-4 and four with a loss in this game against Iowa State. But is 8-4 and four what this team wants? Or do they want more? I get the sense they want more. And if you want more, go win. Right, right. Now, Iowa State comes in. We know they have a studly defense, good special teams unit. Offense doesn't rank well in a lot of areas, but they're playing better right now. What is it about Iowa State, the Cyclones, that they do well that scares you most coming into this matchup? I mean, their defense has been really good at forcing turnovers. I think they've got 13 turnovers forced. or thir- No, they had 13 That's interceptions. interceptions. Yeah, yeah, they had 13 interceptions. Yes. I don't I remember what second the number in the league only to Oklahoma. Yeah. And I think it was first. It was tied first with OU before last week. I could be wrong on that. Yeah. So they've been really, really good. And then you throw in the fact that you've got a quarterback at Kansas in Jason Bean who 
can be electric, but can also have those valleys. And this is an Iowa State defense that seems like they are poised to capitalize if Jason Bean makes mistakes. You know, I flash back to the Oklahoma game. You know, even before Jason Bean threw that interception on the screen pass, if you remember right, he also threw a pass literally directly to yes. the Oklahoma defender. I mean, it could not have been more to him. And there was also it. the play in the end zone. I forget when this one was. This was also in the uh, fourth quarter, though. Yeah, I, I where he, he was, was getting sacked and he just threw it? Is that yeah, the one? He was, he was getting hit and he just threw it into the corner of the end zone. And fortunately, the OU player was too far away from the ball to get there. Yeah. And then they ended up scoring a touchdown. Yeah, so I think that's what concerns me the most is you're, if you're on the road and you have turnover problems, that's a pretty big hole to try to dig yourself out of if you're Kansas. So that's what concerns me most about the about Iowa State, certainly defensively, is, is their propensity to force turnovers. Offensively, it's kind of a strength for Iowa State against a weakness for Kansas. Iowa State's red zone offense has been pretty good. When they get in the red zone, they generally score. They've been pretty effective in the red zone. And obviously, we know about Kansas' struggles in the red zone, which is on defense, which is, what, 97%? I think it's one, one yeah, trip. Yeah, there's one that, yeah, yeah, which is last in the Big 12. Yeah. So that's what concerns me most about the Iowa State offense going against the KU defense is this Iowa State offense, if they, they're not necessarily the greatest in the world and they certainly don't jump out at you on the stat sheet, but they have shown that when they move the ball and they get in the red zone, they do generally get points. Mm-hmm. And that's an area where Kansas' defense has struggled. So the turnovers from the Iowa State defense, concerning. Iowa State's success in the red zone versus Kansas' struggles in the red zone on defense, I think is concerning. Because if Iowa State's able to move the ball, can Kansas keep them from scoring if they're if they get down to that area? Yeah, I think those are, are astute points, and I'm actually looking now. This is wild. Iowa State, they have 13 interceptions, which, yeah, that's second in the Big 12. They've only recovered one fumble defensively. <laughs> that's kind of weird. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, like some of the games, they had four against TCU, two against Cincinnati, two against Baylor, two against Oklahoma State. Only one game they haven't had an interception. That was yeah. the Ohio game. In they, which they so lost. They've had an interception in five straight since that Ohio yeah. game, I think, actually. And, actually, this is crazy. In games where they have one or zero interceptions, 0-3, in games where they have two or more interceptions, 5-0. and And that is concerning because Jason Bean has a tendency maybe to, uh, you know. So Jason Bean last game had two interceptions. Jason Bean against Oklahoma State had two interceptions. So he's coming off back-to-back two-interception games. And again, yeah. Iowa State 5-0 and when they get two or more interceptions. Yeah. That's a little bit scary. So I actually echo you. That is the thing that scares me most. Overall, just I guess the pass defense, I would say, for Iowa State. Um, when you look yeah. at the yards they've given up passing, OU got 366. They averaged over nine yards a pass, so OU found success. Maybe that gives you an avenue for doing it. Oklahoma State was at 278, but they also had two interceptions and had 48% completion percentage. Baylor only completed 58% of their passes for 239. TCU, 58% for 213. Northern Iowa, 48%. Ohio, 50%. Iowa, 54%. Cincinnati, 51% for 99 yards. I, I, I don't know if you just chalk that up and say, well, a lot of those teams are bad. Like, yeah. Iowa's a bad passing offense. Cincinnati's just kind of bad. Like Northern Iowa is an FCS team. TCU is four and five now. Baylor's not a good team. Oklahoma State at the time was rotating quarterbacks. Like, yeah. do you just view those and go, oh, the pass defense is doing really well because they're picking on bad teams and the OU game is evidence when they play a better team, things aren't as good? Or yeah, do you view it as they're just really good? I don't know. It's kind of interesting dichotomy, I think, because yeah, as you kind of alluded to, Iowa State's on a three game win streak, but it's not like they are beating impressive teams. I mean, Baylor. Bad. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati, bad. TCU, not very good. Those are the last three wins, right? So it's kind of fool's goal, fool's goal I think, on one hand to say, well, this is a an Iowa State team that, that is, is dominant or can be dominant because I don't think that's totally the case. But on the flip side, in college football, we know how much it's momentum-based. 
if you win three games in a row, at the end of the day, it don't matter who you beat. Okay, you're it's th- like Oklahoma you, State right now. Exactly. We saw it don't, it don't State. matter who you beat. Oklahoma State was starting to get things rolling when they played Kansas, and it was like, I don't know that Oklahoma State's that good. But guess what? They were rolling at the right time. Ollie yeah. Gordon started getting going. You made some mistakes, and you lost the game. So That exact recipe could happen in this one. Yeah, you don't know. So you can bet that Iowa State's going to be rolling into this game feeling pretty confident about themselves, right, sure. uh, because of what they've done over the past month or so. So, uh, you know, regardless of if they beat, you know, Texas and Oklahoma versus Cincinnati and Baylor – they're going to be feeling pretty confident coming into this game at home uh, against Kansas, and so Kansas has to be has to be prepared for that. Yeah. Uh, and and again, I think that they're they're going to be feeding off that defense. Obviously, they're going to be feeding off the crowd as well. And I I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm curious to see what kind of uh, attack KU has offensively because remember this is an Iowa State defense that probably was the best defense KU faced all season last year, and KU struggled quite a bit. Uh, in that game against Iowa State last year. So, you know, maybe if Kansas can get more success on the ground, to me this is a game that you do have to run the ball quite a bit if you're KU because I don't think you want to have the ball in Jason Bean's hands trying to sling it too much against this Iowa State secondary. Yep, and it might be a bit of a cooler night. I don't think it's going to be like as cold as it was last week, but uh, yeah. So, uh, okay, what about the flip side to this? Where do you think KU has a real edge over Iowa State? I think their biggest edge probably is experience at the quarterback position. Jason Means in his sixth year. Rocco Beck is a freshman. You're going to need that experience. You're going to need to draw on that experience. And KU, I think, definitely has the advantage in the ground game. I mean, I think they, I, I don't, I think we mentioned this last week against Oklahoma. KU is going to have the advantage in the ground game in every game this year left on their schedule. I don't know. Maybe you could make an argument for. Can K-State. I add something to that real quick? Sure. A little stat here. Yeah. So uh, I'm looking at the yards per game rushing for them and, and the yards allowed rushing for Iowa State. Uh, so they gave up five and a half yards per carry to Oklahoma State. Okay, that's a positive. Five yards per carry to TCU, also has a good running back. Every other team's been under four, though. But Iowa, again, Cincinnati, like Ohio, some of these teams. Oklahoma's the one who that has not been a good running Oklahoma offense. We, we've talked about this. They had 157 rushing yards. If you take out the one sack Iowa State had, it would have been 40 carries for over, a little over four yards per carry for OU. So, like, it's... It's not like they've been dominant against the run, and then offensively for Iowa State running the ball, they have 215 yards against TCU. That's their only game this year with more than 170 rushing yards. KU has given up 200-plus rushing yards in all their Big 12 games so far, but for Iowa State, they've only done that one out of seven games. So, yes, to your point, I think that is a real advantage. Yeah, I think the ground game, and again, I think KU's ground game is going to be an advantage for them every game the rest of the season. I think the K-State game, you could maybe make an argument, but... That's something KU should be able to lean on game in and game out with Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw. And I think now you're to the point in the season where, you know, if you recall, Derek, we talked about this in the preseason early in the season, but that discussion's kind of gone away about, like, the idea of, like, limiting carries, basically trying to rest Devin Neal or and, or whatnot. Remember, we had that conversation mm-hmm. at the preseason. To me, that is out the window. When he had 25 left. carries against Oklahoma, Devin Neal did, and I, I give it to him more. Give it to him more. Give it to Daniel Hyshaw more. Lean on those guys. This is this is this time of year is what is is what you're built for with those types of players. You need to lean on them now, lean on them heavily, and utilize them, especially with the backup quarterback and Jason Bean. And and again, I'm not trying to take away anything from Jason Bean, but when you have guys like that that are real dynamic players, just get in the ball, just get him the ball, get him the ball in space, get him the ball in the ground game, utilize them however you can. That you know they're your two best weapons probably on offense. Mm-hmm. At, you know, are your two running backs. So I, I echo what you're saying about the the running game. To add another one in there, I think you do have a, an edge pass rushing-wise. 
Iowa State's not been a great pass rushing team. Uh, they're in the bottom for the conference in sacks by the defense. Um, part of that is scheme-wise. Like A lot of times they're only going to blitz three or four guys, and, and they're going to put guys back in coverage, make you throw into tight windows, and hope that you make a mistake or do something stupid. And a lot of times that works because you're playing college quarterbacks, and <laughs> they have a lot of interceptions, and they've got really good defensive backs. So like it's a good strategy. Um, but their pass rush is, is nothing that's like too crazy, and KU's offensive line is good. Yeah, I mean, I, that strategy works well when you have a guy like Will McDonald. Yeah, and, and they two, don't have any more. That's a good point. That's a great point. When you have one guy who can just kind of win regardless, that's super helpful. But beyond that, I I do wonder if this is going to be a big Jason Bean running game. Because if you have basically a, a three or four man rush and you're saying, hey, we're going to make you throw into tight windows, what happens if you're just sitting there for a few seconds in the pocket? Maybe you can run for a big game. Now, it's going to take tough running because if they're playing zone, they got a lot of guys keeping an eye on the quarterback that are just going to hit him after the four or five yards. So that kind of depends on Jason Bean in that area. Um, but I, I think the pass rush for KU is an advantage over Iowa State's pass rush. And it's not just because Iowa State, that, that's less for them. Um, KU's pass rush has been good this season. And yes. that duo of Jeremy Robinson and Austin Booker has been really fun to watch. And, yes. and Hayden Hatcher and Patrick Joyner have had moments in different plays. And, you know, J.B. Brown sometimes will play at like a, a defensive end spot too. Um, we, we talked about this earlier this week. It's a weird dichotomy. I'm interested to see what it looks like for Iowa State because – they are first in the Big 12 in the least amount of sacks allowed this season, which is crazy because when you look at their pro football focus grade, they are 124th in the country, bottom 10 in the country in pass blocking. And they're two, one of their tackles is below a 40 grade on PFF. One of them is below a 50 grade. So what that tells me is that Iowa State gets the ball out quickly. They use running backs and tight ends to give extra blockers so that even if a tackle gets beat, you have to beat a second guy. And or they're running a lot of like the quarterback is 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 having a lot of bootlegs or scrambles or rollouts to get him out of the pocket to avoid the pass rush. And I guess another additive to that is that Rocco Becht is just good at scrambling. So I, I don't totally know where to go with that, but that does mean there are at least going to be opportunities there. And uh, Rocco Becht this season under pressure has a 44 grade on pro football focus. He's only averaging 5.5 yards per attempt, completing just 46% of his passes, four touchdowns to four interceptions. If you can get pressure on this young freshman quarterback, they're not going to do anything on offense. And uh, furthermore, when he's been blitzed this season, only 58%. He has uh, 6.6 yards per attempt. I I think this is a game Brian Borland needs to be aggressive and they need to go after him. And I think the KU pass rush can win. And that is an avenue that I feel like KU does have an advantage with the pass rush. And and listen, KU made adjustments against Oklahoma, mm-hmm. right? I mean, KU's defense a lot of times has been to play softer and kind of let teams get yards between the 20s. But against Oklahoma, they made it, they made adjustments. Kenny Logan and Marvin Grant started playing close to the line of scrimmage, and it made a huge difference for them stopping the run. Melo Dotson jumped the route on an interception. So KU is now, they are playing a little bit more aggressively, I think, or they, they did at least in the second half of the Oklahoma game. And I'll be curious to see, uh, see if, if that continues. Now, one of my favorite things that has happened over the past couple of weeks is I have been a big proponent of saying, KU, take the ball first mm-hmm. against Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. It didn't really work out against Oklahoma because they ended up not scoring. Just had a stop on a fourth down. It was a yeah. good drive. Though, against Oklahoma yeah. State, it was a disaster mm-hmm. because they didn't get the ball first. Against Iowa State, I'm actually, I'd actually be okay with not taking the ball first. I understand you got the crowd and everything. Iowa State, I think, could easily go three and out, though, <laughs> to start. So I'm actually okay with, you know, because Lance's strategy has been defer, 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 get this extra extra possession to start the second half. 
I'm okay with that against Iowa State. I'm okay with that. Well, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I understand you. Want, I mean, you still want to get off to a fast start, but you maybe you maybe you can get off to a fast start by dominating on defense and giving some early momentum to your offense to get the ball. Mm-hmm. I do wonder, like, what if you do take the ball, though, to at least flip the field position? What if there's, like, a windy night or a cold yeah, night? Yeah, well, dude, though? I mean, listen, I was very adamant mm-hmm. in bo- before both the Oklahoma State game and the Oklahoma game. Take the damn ball first, okay? Didn't do it against Oklahoma State, and you're down 14-0. Against Oklahoma, you, you, I mean, they Oklahoma won the toss, so you didn't really have a choice. But it did sort of work out, kind of. I mean, you didn't score, but you did flip the field, and you got to pick six mm-hmm. out of that, right? So, I'm... I'm in this game, I'm more oh, I'm okay with either option. I'm okay with either option. The past couple games, I was like, no, Lance, take take the ball. This game, I'm okay. All right, KU I'm, I don't wins have a, if what? I think KU wins if they if they control the lines of scrimmage. I mean, if you can control the line of scrimmage on offense and run the ball successfully with Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw, you're going to be setting yourselves up sir, for some success, I would say. And on the flip side, on defense, same deal. You highlighted their pass. You highlighted the the pass blocking situation for Iowa State. And and some of that, and you know, I think even more so when you think about if you haven't been sacked a lot, and then you have a game where you start getting sacked, that's probably going to affect you mentally if you're Rocco Becht, right? Mm-hmm. If you've had, if you've managed to avoid getting sacked a lot over the course of the season, and then suddenly you start getting hits and getting sacks in this game, that could affect you mentally. So I think if you control the lines of scrimmage on both sides, running the ball offensively, which I think KU can do, and getting your pass rush involved uh, against Iowa State as well, and also. I do think for the in this game, it comes down to uh, not starting slow, which on the road this season for Kansas has been a serious, serious issue. And not starting slow can, I think it can manifest in a lot of different ways. It can just mean not giving up a touchdown to start the game. It can just mean, you know, not, mo- at least moving the ball offense. Like, I'm not saying you need to go out and score right away or you need to get off to a fast start. I just think you need to not start slow. You need to not get down early. And you need to really settle into the game where maybe it's still a 0-0 or 3-0 type game. Just settle in. Just settle in. I don't think you need to necessarily have a fast start against Iowa State because I don't think Iowa State's offense is very explosive. So I'm not really concerned about that aspect. Mm-hmm. But you just need to be able to settle in. Just settle in and have a couple things go your way early to maybe mitigate the crowd a little bit right off the bat and just sort of settle into the game. Okay. I have I have two parts of this. Uh, one is the turnovers. We talked about it. Iowa State 5-0. and when they force two turnovers or more, 0-3 when they don't. So if Kansas has one or less turnover, and that goes in line with the last two years under Lance Leipold. Last two years for Kansas under Lance Leipold. They are 9-2 and when offensively they only have one turnover or less. 9-2. and And both losses are to Texas. So, basically that means that when they have one turnover or less under Lance Leipold the last two years, they are 9-0 and versus everyone except for Texas. Now, when they turn the ball over offensively two or more times, they're three and seven the last two years under Lance Leipold. And then again, you add in the Iowa State five and zero part. So that's one of them. Uh, the other part of it, and maybe this helps you with the turnovers because you're controlling the ball. You're not having to risk the ball being in the air as much, which is where Iowa State really is ball hawking and gets those turnovers. If the duo of Devin Neal and Daniel Highshaw have a good game, I think Kansas wins. Yeah, easy enough for me. Yeah. All right. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll talk more KU football throughout the show. We've got some uh, KU basketball player previews and audio coming up next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Continuing on with our player previews, we're going to get to some stuff for Nick Timberlake and Parker Brown. I want to start with Timberlake here, who 
uh, has had kind of a rough start with the exhibition game shooting the basketball, and that's going to obviously be his number one skill Kansas is looking for. Here was a chance to uh, catch up with Nick Timberlake at KU Men's Basketball Media Day about a week and a half ago. I hear from Dewan Harris over there that you're probably the best shooter on the team. What do you have to say about that? I mean, I would say that he's he's most likely right. Uh, there's really no one else that comes close. Maybe Cheng, but that's about it. Yeah, how do you think that's going to help you guys season? I mean, everyone is getting into their role of what, what they're expected to do. So, I mean, just that makes it uh, a lot easier just doing the job. Got it. What's it been like playing under Bill Self this offseason? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, my dad calls me every day just asking what he say to you today, how many times you yelled at. So, I mean, when I get ripped in practice, I'm loving it. I mean, there's a reason that he's ripping me. Um, I mean, greatest coach in America. So, you can't really say anything back to him. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm loving it so far. Got it. Are you looking forward to that scrimmage against Illinois? Yeah, I am. It's going to be fun. <laughs> hey, Johnny. Uh, should be a good, uh, Justin, good game Justin. for for all of us, all the new guys. So it should be uh, Jake, exciting. Good, Sounds good. Thanks, yeah. Nick. Thank you. All right. So, uh, twenty-five jersey number. Is that of any significance to you? <laughs> I mean, I've always worn twenty-five, but the the main reason was just because my dad he wore it in college when he played. So I kind of just stuck with it and kept it going. Good number to be at. Uh, do you have a favorite thing to do off the court? I uh, just hang around the guys. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, do you have a favorite Halloween costume that you've ever gotten to wear? I'd probably say Buzz Lightyear when I was little. That was That's probably my favorite one. That's a good one. Do you have a favorite Halloween candy? Um, I'm a big fan of just, like, sour candies, so anything sour, really. Okay. And uh, we've heard your name, Jank's name, tossed around for best shooter on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, who would be if you were building a, a starting five of shooters? Who's going on the full team? Uh, like ever? Uh, no, here at Kansas. Oh, here at Kansas. Um, it would be me, Jank, Pat, Kev, and Hunter. Okay. Yeah. So Hunter, best shooting big on the team? Yes. Okay. And, uh, uh yeah. Pete gives him a run for his money. Okay. Parker, yeah. But I'll give Hunter the slight, slight difference. Who's a player that's going to surprise us this year? Um, I'm going to say... probably Mari out of everyone just like with the expectations that people probably thought of him coming in here but I mean there'll probably be a lot of people on the team who surprise everyone so yeah have you ever heard of Vegemite uh no okay well you need to ask Johnny about it but um it's it's uh, Australian food so you have to get with him on that okay. um okay do you have a uh, a goal for this season whether it's individual or team goal uh, I mean, just win as many games as we can, really, is the, the biggest goal, the biggest reason I came here, and obviously to make the NCAA tournament. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Um, probably time travel. I feel like that would be a good one. All right, that was Nick Timberlake. Certainly, if you had time travel, you'd never lose a basketball game, so... We know he doesn't have that. Otherwise, they would have beat Illinois. Wait, how would you never lose? You just keep going back in time to you to make the shot. Oh, see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, at least you individual. I guess your team could still lose. Yeah. But you would never miss a shot. <laughs> and if you never missed a shot, you'd play so much. And but you'd when, get so many okay, shots, wouldn't that draw suspicion though, where you're just 100 percent from the field? No, because I don't game? think people realize time travel would be available, right? But they would have to. Somebody would have to be like, "How is this guy shooting 100 <laughs> percent?" I think we'd just be like, this is the greatest basketball player we've ever seen. <laughs> anyway, uh, as far as the player preview for Nick Timberlake, 
Ceiling here is being the starting two guard, right? Playing 25, 30 minutes per game. Yeah. Maybe scoring double-digit points per game. Being the best three-point shooter on the team and being a very important piece on a team that needs three-point shooting. Yeah, I mean, this was the reason he was brought in, right? The reason he was brought in for, for KU was to be a, a three-point specialist. And, and uh, you know, maybe given some, cir- some circumstances, he wasn't expected to be a starter at first when he first got here maybe, but now – he probably is the guy you would think is most poised to be that starter just because of his experience and the fact that he's a veteran college player. But if his defense is not there, then you know that Bill Self's going to be keeping a going to be keeping a tight leash on him. So, yeah, I think definitely the ceiling is he's a 40% three-point shooter or around there and is somebody who can be re- relied upon consistently to knock down open threes. As far as the floor... For Nick Timberlake, it's that he ends up being behind Marco Jackson, maybe even Johnny Furphy. Yeah. Maybe he's only playing. I still think the floor is him playing 15-ish minutes a game. Yeah, I think because so. Because I mean, barring, shooting exactly, like, barring this, given the situation, he's going to be playing probably mm-hmm. a decent amount regardless. You know, I think we talked about this in the preseason. It's like, if Nick Timberlake ends up shooting, you know, 35% from three this season, that's a solid number, but I think it would still feel disappointing. Because you brought him in to be more of a sharpshooter, you brought him in to be more of a of a forty percent three point shooter, a guy who's consistently knocking them down. So that to me would be the more the floor is if the three point shooting is just it's it's average, but it's not great. Because I think the you brought him in under the guise of this is a guy that's going to be able to knock down a ton of threes, and that, obviously that's you know that's a lot of pressure to put on a player, but uh, that that's why he's here, and so you want to see him start to to get in rhythm and, and do that. Yes, so I think the floor for me is, yeah, he is behind those guys, still plays 12 to 15 minutes a game. Uh, Maybe it's lower three-point shooting percentage. Maybe the defense struggles. I I think realistically it's somewhere in between. Um, Maybe he he is the starter right away, but I I think realistically I'm viewing him as like a 20-minute-per-game guy. Yeah, uh, 35, 36% from three. I I don't know that you're going to see him shoot 40% like you did at Towson. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't even care how many minutes per game he plays, really. To me, that's that's, I don't think that's the way to gauge – his ceiling. I think the way to gauge his ceiling is how many threes is he making per game? What's his percentage? Because you, I mean, he could play 17 minutes per game, but if he's playing those 17 minutes under the operation of get in and shoot threes, and he's hitting two or three a game, then you would call that a success. You'd call sure. you would say that's more to a ceiling. So, I'm I'm going to be gauging Nick Timberlake's ceiling more on how many attempts is he getting up per game, how many makes, and percentage. All right, we also got a chance to hear from Parker Brown. The uh, older brother, oddly enough, of Christian Brown caught up with him at KU Men's Basketball Media Day about a week and a half ago. Here's what he had to say. How have things gone for you so far at Kansas? Has, has everything been enjoyable and, and a fun process so far? It's been awesome. It's been everything I dreamed of. You know, that was kind of a, a thing growing up as a kid. You know, you dreamed about putting on this uniform and playing for this this legendary uh, organization and legendary franchise. And it's been everything and more right now. Have you thought about it all? Is it is it going to be awkward this year playing against Missouri? Obviously, there's the family ties. You were there for a bit of time. I, I don't know how much crossover there is with some of the rosters or the players. Is that going to be awkward at all? No, it won't be awkward at all. There's honestly not – I don't even know if there's anybody left there since since I was there, but uh, I've got no bad blood there. I mean, obviously, it's a, it's been a thing in the past, a KU-MU thing, but it, it won't be a, a Parker thing, I don't think. You know, it'll, it'll just be – good competition and I got nothing against that program I had a great great time when I was there so it'll just be fun competition I think we've heard from like your mom and some other people that you're the best athlete in the family would you agree with that 
it's pretty tough. He, Christian sets the bar pretty high, and honestly, our youngest obviously uh, very competitive in that conversation as well. But um, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to see. I, I, the film will speak for itself. I think he's, he, he makes it pretty stiff, and, and the youngest obviously makes it pretty stiff too. But uh, we're going to have to go out and see. So what are some of the things that you guys did as brothers, like competitive-wise, besides basketball growing up? Man, honestly, it was everything, you know. Everyone always laughs about, like, eating first and just stuff like that, like cleaning your room and, like, just little things, you know, playing outside, throwing the ball the farthest or something, like, weird like that. It was was basically everything growing up with us three. and I think it just kind of translated onto the basketball court being competitive that way, too. Let's say you guys all played football instead of basketball. Who would have been the best football player? Um, probably the youngest. I think he's got the best build for it. He's athletic enough, and he's on a, he's probably the smallest, but he'd be a mean tight end, I think. All right, you're wearing number 23 this year. Does that number mean anything to you? Just always been 23. Big uh, Michael Jordan fan, just kind of been always that growing up. So, Who would you say is the toughest player to guard for you on the team? I mean, Hunter uh, offers a lot of problems size-wise, and he's kind of been my matchup. Um, El Marco's really, really fast. He's hard to keep up with. Dewan just doesn't make a wrong decision. KJ's super athletic. So, I mean, all those guys, you've all seen it firsthand here and, and what they bring, and I think uh, they've, all, they've all brought a lot in that way too. Who would you say is the best shooter on the team? Uh, we do a lot of drills, and Nick and Jank put up a, some pretty high numbers in those. They, they don't really miss much. They're the two that you got to make sure that you run off the three-point line. And who is most likely to throw down like a poster dunk? KJ. KJ definitely is the one that's always back-cutting from the corner, and you got to make sure your head's on a swivel or you're going to get put on a poster. All right, Halloween's coming up. Do you have a favorite Halloween costume from when you were a kid and a favorite Halloween candy? Um, we were always kind of, our mom made always our costumes, so we were always boxers and ghosts and stuff like that. She did a pretty good job. I was a hobo when I was younger. I think that was probably my favorite. Awesome. And favorite candy? Mm, probably just a classic Twizzler. All right, that was Parker Brown. A little bit of a different answer with the uh, classic Twizzler on that one for Parker Brown. So, Dude, Twizzlers suck. You don't like Twizzlers? I no, like Twizzlers. They're bad. Okay, well, put a line in the sand. <laughs> Parker Brown's ceiling and floor is a little bit more described, I would say. Like, the ceiling is, I, I guess if you want to say, well, Hunter Dickinson got hurt, Parker Brown would have to play a lot more minutes. But yeah. in a world where everything goes right with Hunter Dickinson and KU, the ceiling for Parker well, Brown is 8 to 10 minutes I a game. barring injury, Parker Brown probably has the ceiling and floor that are closest together. Yes. Does that make sense? Like. Like, the floor, he's still the backup center. Yeah. The ceiling, he's exactly. still the backup center, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, I think out of everybody, he's the one where it's, like, the most narrow margin between what he could See, be. I think that's Dewan Harris. But I, I I, guess there is a world where what if they were to say, hey, we're, we're better if we use K.J. Adams as the backup five and play small with him at the five at times for those eight to ten minutes a game. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I think the ceiling and the floor is very similar there. And either way, even though it, it could only be eight to ten minutes per game, it's going to be important eight to ten minutes per game. Oh, right? yeah. Those are the minutes without Hunter Dickinson. Yeah, you have to be, be able to hold your own. Exactly. It's going to be hold the line, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, basically. Yeah. It's going to be get in there, you know, and, and try to maintain – and, and not really mess anything up. And listen, that, to me, is arguably a, a more difficult job than maybe coming off the bench and expecting to be a scorer or be an impact player. Because you're basically just going in with the goal of, don't screw up. <laughs> you know, And that could be sometimes more stressful, more challenging, I think. 
When we saw the value of having a really good backup center last year with UConn, Sonogo was the Final Four MOP. Yep. Klingon was awesome coming yep. off the bench. Now, was really I'm not good, saying yeah. <laughs> Parker Brown is going to be him because Klingon is supposed to be a first round draft yeah, pick. Yeah, Klingon 7 3. <laughs> but is having he, a good he, backup is he big. 7 3? I think he's like 7 2. 7 2. Having a backup big, I mean, look to uh, two years ago. Having Mitch Lightfoot being able to come off the bench and be a competent player who could block shots and hit a hook shot for you, yeah. super valuable. So yeah. uh, I think that's the ceiling for Parker Brown this year. All right. He is, uh, and, and I think he. He's, he's likely to kind of actualize it. He is uh, Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. We have a uh, Chiefs preview, Lee Sterling after that. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Lee Sterling's going to join the show coming up in about 25 minutes from right now. We also are going to have our game picks. We got our KU game picks in the five o'clock hour. Players to watch, uh, KU football audio, KU basketball audio, more player previews and stuff coming on the show here with KLWN. We got high school sports weekly coming at you, or not high school sports, high school sports coming at you tonight. Uh, LHS yeah. football is at seven o'clock right here on KLWN. They're at Derby in the second round of the playoffs. It's the three six matchup on the west side of the six A bracket. And then Free State is at Manhattan. That's the 7-2 matchup tonight over on 92.9 The Bowl and Bowl929.com at 7 o'clock. Nick will be on the call with uh, Nolan Henderson for the Free State game. And then uh, Sam Speck will be on the call with Matt Llewellyn of the LHS game again all tonight at 7 o'clock. We have your KU football game tomorrow. Crimson Blue Show, 4.30. Kickoff at 6 o'clock. You can hear it on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. And then Monday, we got your KUNC Central basketball game with uh, pregame at 5.30, tip-off at 7 o'clock for the real thing for KU basketball. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Miami Dolphins bright and early on Sunday morning. And yes. I don't love that the Chiefs just got there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a weird strategy. So you may have seen... Um, it was uh, Bobby Stroop, I think that's how you say it. Is uh, that's Mahomes' personal trainer, right? Yeah, the he guy, put out he a bunch of Netflix. The yeah, 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 yeah. So he he put out some stuff on Twitter with I guess there, there's been some there's been some studies done over time uh, as it relates to like the Olympics. There's been a lot about that about kind of optimal times for athletes to you know avoid extreme jet lag one way or the other, depending on if they're you know because if, if you're flying in for the Olympics from somewhere, you know you're gonna have a lot of people come from different time zones. And he kind of summarized it and basically said that seven days is best to adjust fully, which obviously if you're an NFL team and you play on Sunday and the next game's on Sunday, you don't have seven days. Sure. Right? So then the I guess part of the research is that it suggests that if you can't get seven days, it's in some cases it's actually better to basically go like late and then keep your body on whatever time you're normally on. So in this case for the Chiefs, it would be U.S. time. So you basically go there, and instead of even trying to adjust to Germany time or whatever, you don't do that. You just stick on your time. So I would assume that for the Chiefs, that would look like practicing at whatever time they would practice in the U.S., you know, or whatever, things like that, and going to bed and all, doing everything the same way they would do as if they were in the U.S., which I guess to a certain extent makes sense, but also if you go by that logic, the game is at 8.30 a.m. U.S. time. Yeah, so I don't know. Great. Well, okay. Why? Why? There, there appears to be some science behind it. I have no idea. Well, so I've actually I've always heard that it takes about an hour for your body to adjust for every hour of time zone. So that makes sense because it's uh, I think like an eight hour time difference with Germany. So that makes sense with what you're talking about with the week. Why didn't they just head there after their last game? Why didn't they just go straight from Denver to Germany? 
Well, they would have had seven days. That seems a little intense, doesn't it, to you? That's what the Jags did. Is it? Yeah. Well, the Jags were there for two weeks, though. I know. Two consecutive weeks. But that's what they did after their... Uh, the London Jaggers. After one of them. Somebody else did that, too. They immediately left after their Sunday I don't game know. I mean, obviously, you know, the week. Dolphins... The Dolphins, I think, got there on, like, Wednesday or Tuesday. Yeah. So they've been there for multiple days. Yeah, I don't know why they just didn't go straight from Denver and make it a... You have a week-long thing in Germany, and... I don't know. Then... You, I mean, that's... I mean, I think you're putting a lot on the players at that point, right? Play a game, and then you go... You know, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Well, what do you mean you're putting a lot on the players? Like, you get a free week-long trip to Germany, and then you get to play a football game. And then the very next week, guess what? You have a bye week. <laughs> so you have 14 days between that game and your next game. Dude, I don't know, man. I'm just I'm just telling you. I mean, that's just what – listen, there's obviously a lot of different strategies involved here, and this is what the Chiefs have gone with. I think it's going to hurt him. I I really do think it's going to hurt him in the game. Now, this game is obviously way more important now. I mean, it already was going to be important. It's two really good teams. Two teams who are at the top of the AFC standings. Uh, Every game where you're trying to get the the head-to-head tiebreaker for a possible seeding break, whether it's for the one seed or or for whatever it ends up being, uh, it becomes more important. But now that you lost to the Broncos, it becomes even more important because now you've let everybody back in a little bit in the game. Um, on top of that, you have the Eagles after this, so but the schedule doesn't get much easier. Eagles coming off a of bye week. Who's great off bye week? Eagles are also off a of bye week, though. Andy Reid. Yeah, Eagles are also coming off a of bye week for that one, though. Mm. Keep that in mind. Okay. Does that negate Andy Reid's uh, bye week record? I don't know. Maybe. I think it is interesting, though, because if, if you look at it, uh, I guess this will be for that game, but uh, the Super Bowl that they played, they both came off a of bye week. And now yeah. they'll play in the regular season. They're both coming yeah. off a of bye week, so uh, kind yeah. of interesting. There. But yeah, uh, this game is obviously very, very important. And you know, for the Dolphins, from their perspective, they've been we we talked about this with the Cowboys that they've been the team that beats up on all the lesser opponents, the middling teams. But then in the big games, like the 49ers and, and some of these, they've lost. That's kind of been the Dolphins so far this season, right? They they lose big to the Bills. Uh, they lose by 14 to the Eagles and another big chance there, but they've blown out some of these other teams. So for them, this is really their best option because they don't play anybody really that great for the next like month and a half after this. Man. This is their biggest opportunity to avoid the like, oh, are they really that good conversation? But also for them, because their schedule is easy after this, if they win this game, it might be a pathway to being the one seed. Yeah, and for a team like the Dolphins, uh, I've mentioned this previously, but for a team like the Dolphins, the one seed slash home field advantage, I think, becomes significantly more important because you get to play in Miami. Yeah. And you don't have to play in Buffalo or By the way, Cincinnati This, is, this or is the upcoming Baltimore. schedule for Miami after the Chiefs game. Raiders at Jets at Commanders, Titans, Jets at home, and then not again until December 24th they get the Cowboys and then the Ravens, the Bills to finish. So the final wow. three are tough. Wow. But that middle stretch, the next whatever, yeah, five I mean, dude, games, they're they win four this and one game, or five and oh. Yeah. They, they could be eleven and two mm-hmm. or whatever. Or twelve and two. Yeah, that that's that's crazy. Uh but you know, what we've kind of talked about this with, with the Chiefs, they'll do this a lot where maybe Andy Reid kind of sandbags sometimes because he likes to hold stuff in the regular season for the playoffs. I think that I think it's the complete opposite for the Dolphins. To me, the Dolphins have to go all out every game and do everything they can to secure home field advantage in the playoffs because that, to me, is most critical for them. You do not want to be going on the road in January to yeah. to Baltimore, to Cincinnati, to Kansas City, whatever. So I, I would expect a kitchen sink game here from, from Miami because, as you, as you kind of highlighted, this is their best chance to, to kind of stake their claim to being one of the top teams in the AFC and, and maybe setting themselves on the inside track to that one seed, to, a, to home field advantage. 
And, you know, for the Chiefs, you wonder what their mentality is going to be coming off of a, a, a frustrating loss to to Denver. I, I don't know if you happen to listen to the uh, – or if you happen to see some of the comments from Travis Kelsey that he had on his on his uh, New Heights podcast with, with Jason Kelsey, but – Travis Kelsey was pretty upset. Uh, he was he was he was saying some. He called things. out Tyree Kill's basketball game. Yeah, there was a lot going on uh, in that episode where he was where he seemed like he was pretty upset. So I I don't know. We'll we'll see which Chiefs kind of show up for this game uh, against against Miami. Uh, I I mean, it's hard for me to sit here and say that I think the Chiefs are not going to show up in a big game because they always do. They have Andy Reid. They have Patch Mahomes. They have Travis Kelsey. Like, sure, they have a lot of issues at wide receiver. But the defense has been elite. I mean, elite, elite for the whole season. So I have no reason to believe that this is not going to be a very, very close competitive game that the Chiefs are going to have a chance to win. Now, the question is, are they, can they, can Mahomes kind of will them through if they are trying to win this game late? Can Mahomes push them through? Uh, and, you know, Mahomes can't. He, he can only do so much, right? I mean, somebody has to make a play. Sky Moore, Rushy Rice, Kadarius Tony, who's playing like five snaps a game, by the way. <laughs> uh, so uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. It, it, uh, but like I said, I have no reason to believe that the Chiefs would not show up for this game. Would not be in this game. I mean, I, I've heard some people say, well, you know, maybe the Dolphins just run away with it. I don't. I don't. I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. No, I, I mean, mean, regardless, uh, it's a big game. The Chiefs show up in big games. I'm not saying that I think it's a guaranteed win yeah. for the Chiefs, but I I just don't see the logic behind claiming that this is going to be a, a big win for Miami because the Chiefs, this is what they do. They they show up in big games. They show up in big games. I forget what the number was at, but it was something ridiculous. It was like it was 40-something 40, 40 games um, in a row or something like that that Patrick Mahomes had not lost by more than a score. So yeah. either won the game or not yeah. lost by more than a score. I think it score. was maybe it was right snapped. at – I think it was 40. I think it was right uh, yeah, at I exactly say 40. It was right th- – yeah, okay. So it was, it was right up there. It was obviously snapped versus the Broncos. Yeah. Point being, what are the odds after a team who has been known for not being able to lose by double digits, loses double digits It's going to lay an egg in yeah. a massive game that is going to be very, very highly watched and highly anticipated – yeah, I just don't see it happening. Uh, I, again, I'm not. I'm not saying that this is a guaranteed win for the Chiefs given the circumstances, but I just don't see how you could look at this game and think that Miami has a significant advantage or that Miami's going to, you know, win by a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I expect it to be a close game. Again, I think it'll just come down to can Mahomes possibly carry the Chiefs. I mean, <clears throat> I also would like to see the Chiefs utilize Pacheco a little bit more. Uh, and I know Andy Reid is not known for his propensity to run the ball. But, uh, hey, Andy, there's nothing wrong with a little HB dive here and there with Isaiah Pacheco. I mean, come on, man. Come on. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is not playing in the game. I don't even think he made the trip. So, uh, you know, if you're a boneheaded Chiefs fan that thinks that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the entire problem, I guess uh, congrats to you. But but he's not going to be there. But Isaiah Pacheco, maybe lean on him a little bit. So, I, I like I said, I, I think the Chiefs are going to show up. I, I, are they going to win? I don't know. I, I don't necessarily feel great about it because, again, I think this is a kitchen sink game for the Dolphins, and Jalen Ramsey's back, had an interception last week for them. You figure he's going to be matching up against Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, he's still elite, but he's looking kind of old out there at times. <laughs> so, 
I don't know, man. I mean, I will say this. If the Chiefs lose, I think the knee-jerk reaction is going to be everyone's going to be running around panicking. Mm -hmm. That will not be me. I will not be panicking at all. They're going to have a bye week. They're going to get the Eagles. If they lose to the Eagles, I'll probably be a little bit concerned. But losing to the Dolphins in Germany, to me, I, I'm not really. it doesn't really concern me that much. Sure. What happens. Well, and even if they lose to the Dolphins and then the Eagles, there will be some panic because it'll be like three straight losses. What's wrong? All this stuff. They would still be six and four, which was the record they won their first Super Bowl with with the Mahomes Reed era. I think if they lose to the Dolphins and it's like yeah, and the Dolphins like look like the better team, I think there will be mass mass panic. Sure. Which is I don't but agree see, with I, it. But. I would almost view that as just like more of a statement for the Dolphins than the Chiefs. You know what I mean? I would view that more as like okay, the Dolphins are are that good. Then I would like, oh, the Chiefs are pro. Yeah. It is going to be, I think, the hardest thing for me to watch is going to be seeing, I mean, the Dolphins overall with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, like all these guys that they have. But specifically, Tyreek Hill is probably going to have a big game because he just has a big game every week. He, he's like, he's the best receiver in the NFL right now. And watching him just get separation and probably going for 100 plus yards in this game while the Chiefs receivers yeah. struggle to separate I know and make catches. I know where you're going with this. It's gonna be hard to watch that it you're gonna feel well, a little okay, you bit can of say it. you can say it maybe the Chiefs should have re-signed him no no I think it worked out because the Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl last year I don't know man like it, it's hard for me to say because it's like well yeah I mean it's really difficult to to put on revisionist history glasses and be like well this 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 and this whatever you know who knows what but happens. you look at how much all the draft picks that they ended up using and the young defense helped them win a Super Bowl like specifically in the Cincinnati game and the AFC championship I don't know. Do they win the Super Bowl with Tyreek Hill last year? It's very possible they still do. Yeah. But you won a Super Bowl last year, even making the trade. So it's hard for me to be like they made the wrong move. Yeah. But it, it still will be like. I mean, beyond that was a lot of fun beyond Tyreek Hill, this is a very legitimate test for the Chiefs' defense. I mean, you look at the offense that the Chiefs' defense has played, and I know they're they've been really elite, but the level of offense they've been playing recently has not exactly been you know elite offenses, right? This is your chance to go out and prove it. This is your chance to go out and show that you are one of the top defenses in the league if you can slow down a do this, this Dolphins yeah. team. Well, right now, Kansas City is ranked fifth in DVOA on offense, fifth on defense, fourth on special teams. So this has still been a really good unit. Yeah. But to your point on the elite offenses, Miami is the number one offense on DVOA. And so you have that great test. And then again, if we fast forward to Philadelphia in a couple weeks, like they're number seven on DVOA offensively. Well, and think, and like, about, think about who the Chiefs have played in the past month. The Broncos twice, the Chargers, and who did they play? I don't even know who they played. The Broncos low-key are 15th on offense. Their bigger issue has been the defense. I've been trying to tell you, man. Russ, Russ low-key cooking. Yeah, well. And you were like, oh, no, no. Russ sucks. I, I still don't think he's doing as well as the numbers. Say. But anyway, <laughs> I, the, the thing that worries me is that I don't know if the Chiefs can win a shootout, which sounds crazy to say with Patrick Holmes and Andy Reid. It's just it's where the receivers are, man. Like I, I don't trust any of them winning. I really don't. I, I think Rashi Rice is good. He'll probably drop a bad pass and then make a couple other good plays. Travis Kelsey, good, but what if the Dolphins double-team him? And so I can walk or, into or this Jalen game. Or Jalen Ramsey just shuts him down. Sure, I can walk into this game and be like, well, the Dolphins are only 22nd in the NFL on defense on DVOA. But guess what? The Broncos are still 32nd, and you only put up, what, 27 points in the two games, or 28 points in the two games combined against them? I, it, it, It's a big hindrance, man. When you can't get anybody open at all, what do you do? What do you do if you're Patrick well, Mahomes? You run around and then scramble or you know do something mm -hmm. crazy. 
By the way, speaking of Patrick Mahomes, because obviously uh, he had he had the the, the flu, flu for the yeah. Broncos. Did you see the uh, video that was going around? People were getting all upset, up in arms about this. That uh, they were uh, trick or treating with with the children, Patrick Mahomes, and uh, he was the one. He was like out in the cold, trick or treating with the kids. Oh, he was bringing them up. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. No. People were outraged about what that he was. He was the flu. He should have been in the, the warm under a blanket. Oh well, he had the flu on Sunday. How long was it on know. Tuesday? I don't know. I just thought it was funny. That is that is pretty funny though. Yeah. Okay. No, so I, mean, uh, I, I don't know. What do the Dolphins do well that scares you most? For me, it's just the offense Tyree that they're going to put up a lot of points. Yeah, Tyreek Hill. Um, what do you think the Chiefs have the biggest advantage in? I mean, I think Mahomes is significantly better than sure. Tua. Like I think Tua is good, but you're right. Mahomes way better than him. Um, Chiefs O line's been Chiefs defense is much better than the Dolphins defense. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And. Low key, even though the Chiefs' special teams, the plays that stick out are the Butker ones that really has messed had up. A great season again. Yeah, they're they're top five in, in DVOA on special teams. So I guess you would say they have an advantage there. Uh, offensive line, I'd probably give to the Chiefs too. Uh, yeah, Chiefs bit. Chiefs win if what? Oh man, I mean, you know, normally this is the part where I say, "Well, just don't suck and play your yeah. game." No, but this is actually one of the rare weeks where we actually get to like. Yeah, discuss. but I don't think that's that's not the case here. Uh, I mean, I think. If you're the Chiefs, I think you just let Tyreek do his thing and maybe just try to eliminate everybody else and 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 you know slow him down that way. I mean, I think you want to get some pressure on Tua as well. If you're the Chiefs, you know they had a despite the loss to the Broncos, the Chiefs had six sacks in the game. George Karloftis was had a, had a big game against the Broncos. Like to see more of that. Charles Menehue, you know Chris Jones makes something happen on defense. I think that would be nice for them to win. And, and again, I think they win if Isaiah Pacheco gets, you know. 20, 15 to 20 touches, whether it's in the ground game or in the, or in the passing game or whatever. I think, I think, I mean, think about it. Isaiah Pacheco is your second best offensive weapon behind Travis Kelsey. So get him the damn ball. What are we doing? I actually agree. That was where I was going to go. I was going to say Isaiah Pacheco has a big game. Like, I don't want to put a stat on it. I don't want to be like, he has to run that's for I, 120. Yeah, that's why I just said, like, right? you know, I figure 15, to, 15 yeah. to 20 touches. Sure. That's probably, you know. Yeah, I just, I just think he has to be efficient and have a had, big game. I think he had eight carries against the Broncos. Yeah, it was eight carries. Yeah. Now, I, I will say, I saw some people complaining about that. and how, The Chiefs offense was on the field, it felt like, for like five minutes in the second half. So, yeah. like, how much are you really well, going to be able to run had, the ball? You with know? Like, I think it was like with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, they'd had one possession. Yeah, so, so it was like, how much are you really going to be able to run the ball? Especially yeah. when you're down 22-9 to nine that whole second half, right? Yeah. Um. So, I, but yeah, he needs to have a big game. He keeps the Dolphins uh, off the field. Uh, the other one for me is is how Tua deals with pressure because we know Spags is going to blitz and he's going to send numbers at him. And does that lead to Tyreek Hill breaking a couple long ones? Does it lead to you disrupting their offense? I think those are going to be real questions. For well, uh, with Tyreek Hill, do you just put Trent McDuffie on him and say go play? You put Ladarius Sneed. I mean, who do you? I, I don't what know do you if do? there's one guy that you. He's just so fast. He's so <laughs> fast. It's just. It's hard to say just one guy. Hey, but like, J- you know who's faster? Jason Bean. Okay, so uh, Jason Bean gets signed faster up to than, the Chiefs uh, to play corner. Faster than Tyreek I do think the Chiefs are going to have a big home field advantage. Uh, oh, for sure. It, I, I saw somebody saying it was Chiefs. 200 Chiefs fans for every one Dolphins fan so far. Enjoy <laughs> some beer out there. Have a good time. All right. The Frankfurt Chiefs, baby. Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports going to join us next to give some game picks. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN, depending on... Half past four that time on a Friday, we're joined by Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports as uh, we continue on into the, uh, I guess, sports equinox season. They'll, they'll come into a close with uh, 
The World Series coming to a close, but plenty more big college football NFL games this weekend. Let's get into it with Lee. Uh, first up on the docket for this week, we have Oklahoma minus six against Oklahoma State in Stillwater. Uh, I think the the Sooners have dominated the series, but can Mike Gundy send out OU with one loss before they head to the SEC? Uh, Lee, what do you like for the uh, the uh, uh, OU Oklahoma State game? So they have dominated them. If Oklahoma had gone into this game undefeated, I think it would have helped out Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's done a great job. I mean, they've found a running game. They really had nothing going on first year. I thought it was one of the worst offenses I've ever seen. But um, they got it going on right now. Oklahoma's got to be down. But coming off of a loss, I think you're going to see a better effort. And then also, if they haven't more of an idea, they know what's coming, which they didn't last week. I thought that the attack was so varied and the play calling was so good. They have a better chance to stop you. So. I think Gabriel will probably come back and have a, a much better game than last week. Uh, I, I'd love to see Oklahoma State do it, but I don't see it happening. I like Oklahoma here, 32-23. All right, yeah, I think uh, Oklahoma State's only won 19 times in the over 100 games that the two have played. Uh, Texas is giving up 4.5 against Kansas State. Big noon in town. No Quinn Ewers. Yep. Who do you like here? Yeah, I thought the Texas staff did a great job, and I don't normally say that about them. I felt that going into that game, and I think we might even have talked about the game last week, I said, BYU probably can't get to 20 points. You know, their defense is slow, not real talented. So on offense, don't take too many chances. Just, you know, keep it basic. Uh, let the young quarterback, Malik Murphy, get his feet wet here. And they did that. So they followed the game plan. If they do the same thing, I think they'll have trouble against Kansas State. Kansas State's defense is much better, top 20 defense that excels against the run, allowing just a little over 100 rushing yards per game, haven't faced this kind of rushing attack. So I think what we're going to see Kansas State do is I think they're going to blitz more. And they're going to try to force Malik Murphy to beat him throwing the football. We'll see if that, that's the way it works out here. The Wildcats can also score. 38 points or more, and for the last five games, Will Howard is a hes a rhythm guy. I mean, last year he would have three, four games where he was on fire in a row and then started well this year, and then he went you know, into a dry spell, picked it back up. He looks really good, and Avery Johnson, spelling him, he is he's going to be a whale of a quarterback. Usually when you have two quarterbacks, you have none, but they're working both guys in really well. I just think the Kansas State coaching staff – a little bit better than the Texas coaching staff. I'll call for the small upset here. Wrong team favored. Kansas State outright 35-28. Okay. That would uh, certainly yep. make for some more intrigue down the stretch in the Big 12. Iowa State taking on Kansas. Cyclones favored by two and a half in Ames on Saturday night. What a game last week. I mean, <laughs> were you guys in there storming the field, field at all? <laughs> I think uh, my producer might have been lost under a goalpost somewhere. I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Okay. All right. So let me let me let me just say this about Kansas. They the play calling was great. I thought that the effort was great. I thought the crowd was great. And they just kept Oklahoma guessing. So I thought they outplayed them. It is tough to play at that level two weeks in a row. Not saying Iowa State's great, but their offense moves the chains. They're not beating themselves now. And their defense taking away the big play here. If you catch them last week, you beat them. 
I like Iowa State, though, this week, 26-20. Yeah, it's been kind of the conversation here all week if, if you're going to have a letdown after the uh, right. the highs that you had against Oklahoma. I hope this is the game that I lose. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you see it all the time in college football. It's just right. it's tough to have that emotion up. Right. Uh, early Sunday morning, so a quick turnaround if you're watching the KU-Iowa yep. State game into the night. Kansas City, minus two versus Miami in Germany. Yeah, so this is why I love this weekend. Not only are there four great games – and the NFL one in each window, I get an extra hour of sleep. So <laughs> what I'm going to do, we normally play basketball in my house on 8 a.m. on Eastern on Sunday mornings. We moved it to 7, so I'll get that extra hour of sleep. I should be fine. Play, then i got four straight games to watch. I have, I think, figured out these two teams. I've done pretty darn well. I think I'm 5-3, and three, 4 against Kansas City, and 6-2 and two on Miami. Miami did not match up with Philadelphia, but I think they match up better with Kansas City. They were at one time of the game last week. They were down all five starting offensive linemen, but it looks like they'll have back three, maybe four starters for this game. I like the fact that they left on Monday instead of Thursday, which Kansas City did. Takes you two, three days to get your legs back and get uh, you know, accustomed to the time change. And that's just, you know, as a normal person to play football, it's even worse. And then uh, on defense, Vic Fangio, he's been playing with like seven, maybe eight starters. Uh, he will have for the first time this year, looks like all 11 starters. Jalen Ramsey came back last week. This week it looks like it's Xavier Howard and also their best safety. Holland will be back here. They're starting to, you know, understand the system, not having as many breaks in coverage here. I think something's wrong with Kansas City. I think they should have gone after uh, a uh, wide receiver. Sky Moore, Rice, you can't count on these guys here. I know they may have Taylor Swift there, but I think that the streak gets broken here. I like Miami. Should be a fun game, 34-30. Meanwhile, big one in the NFC East. Philadelphia is giving up three points against the Dallas Cowboys. Where's Philadelphia is? I think they're more talented than Dallas. I think something's wrong with Jalen Hurts. He's got a sore knee, not running as much as he normally does. Now, A.J. Brown is unguardable. How do you just slow down a guy like that? Got to make sure he doesn't get the football. So I do think that Dallas has the rush that can, uh, I think, slow down Philadelphia some here. Philadelphia's secondary is horrendous here. So I think Dallas's receivers might have a big game, and they could get back eight-time Pro Bowl tackle Tyron Smith. Could the Cowboys help them with the pass rush and also running the football? And special teams, a lot of people forget about special teams. Uh, the Cowboys' ace kicker here, Brandon Aubrey, tied an NFL record by opening the career, going 18 for 18 on field goals, almost every single one right down the center here. How about them Cowboys? I like Dallas here. All right. That would certainly yep. uh, be a big win for Dallas coming there, especially after the San Fran loss a couple weeks ago. Uh, your free play right. for this week, West Virginia, minus 10 versus BYU. How do people get a hold of which side to uh, take on that one? Well, if you're one of the first five callers, we'll give it to you for free. Got a real strong feeling on this game. Most people know by now BYU, uh, they're going to go with backup quarterback, their starter. It's going to be out, so the line's up to 13. You want to get this game for free, be one of the first five callers. Call 800-400-9741. And last week we had that special. We've never done this before. Usually a one-day all-access pass in all the sports, 77 to $97. 
We went seven and one. We had eight plays. I'm going to give out seven plays again tonight. One in football, four in the NBA, a hockey selection, and a UFC. My best bet for tomorrow from Sao Paulo. An underdog. Big underdog in the UFC is my best play. So seven selections, nothing like that. Again, we're going to run it back, $17, one place, ParamountSports.com. All right, Lee, I appreciate it as always, and uh, have a good weekend. You too, guys. Take care. All right, that's Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, joining us here on Rock Shock Sports Talk. Let's get to our game picks of the week. Coming up next, this is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. It's that time of the week on Rock Chalk Sports Talk for game picks of the biggest games ahead from this weekend. Well, that sounds great. And you know what? It'll be nice having a little extra cash to bet on college football. Right here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Yeah, I'd like to bet 100 bucks. You want to pick a team? No, just take it. All right, it's time for our game picks here of the week on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We'll get to some more KU football talk coming up in the 5 o'clock hour here. And uh, you can listen to high school football tonight on our airwaves, 7 o'clock, KLWN, LHS, 7 o'clock, 929 The Bowl for Free State tomorrow, KU Iowa State at 6 o'clock. Uh, we're going to start in college football overall, including locks. Nick, you are 54-44-4. I am 47-53-2. and two. In college football, you are 20-23-2, and two, and I am 16-27-2. and two. We have a bunch of uh, top 25 showdowns this week. First up, number 23, Kansas State, is at number 7, Texas. The Longhorns are giving up 4.5 points. Uh, I'm going I'm to go with Texas here. I'm going to go with Texas. Uh, I, I think they're the better team. I I mean, this would be a game where Kansas State would just randomly win, but uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Texas here. Give me, give me the Longhorns. Hook them. Well, that, that was my exact thought. This would be a game that Kansas State would randomly win. And it's still Quinn Ewers out. Malik Murphy. Yeah. Looked pretty good against BYU. Yeah. You know, overall, they, they dominated BYU, and, and the defense was really good. Yeah. Kansas State is on a roll right now. And I don't know if you've seen this. Kansas State, in some of like the metric rankings, is like top 15, top 12 in the country. Like yeah. ESPN, SP Plus, I think they're 12th. Yeah, I mean, really they, they've benefited from playing some some not as great teams at home. Uh, they, they blew out uh, TCU, blew out Houston. I mean, I think they're still a good team, but I want to pump the brakes a little bit on them being, like, really elite. I think mm-hmm. they're good, but uh, I think they've got a defense that can be exposed. Uh, and this is a game against Texas where, to me, Texas, if I'm Texas, I'm leaning more on my defense here, right? Uh, I'm putting pressure on K-State's offense. You know, K-State's offense... At, at times this season, especially earlier in the year, had a lot of trouble generating big plays, generating explosive plays. And when they kind of switched to the Avery Johnson, and that kind of helps help to you know kickstart them a little bit. But I'm looking at the Texas defense here and saying, "Hey, go out and win this game." I mean, mm-hmm. we got we got a backup quarterback. We're playing at home. Let's lean on the defense against a K State offense that again I think is is overall pretty consistent, but has shown that they can struggle at times. So that's why I'm leaning with the Texas Longhorns. Yeah. Uh, I am going to go with K-State, though. Uh, number 12, okay. Missouri is at number 2, Georgia. Bulldogs are minus 15 and a half. I don't know if you've thought about this, but if Missouri wins this game, they might be in the top four next week. They'd have one yeah. loss. They'd have a win over Georgia. That would be crazy to think so about, their, nonetheless. Their one loss was to, who did they lose it to? It was uh, LSU. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, man. Uh, well, also, you think about this. If, t- if Missouri wins this game, they've now got the inside track on the SEC title game. 
I mean, beyond that, right? So, uh, I, I'm going to go with Missouri to cover the spread. I don't think they're going to win, though. But, uh, you know, Georgia, man, they've shown a propensity to screw around. And every week, we have the same discussion every week. Every week, Georgia's favored by like 14, 15 points. I think it's because the books can't figure out which Georgia's going to show up. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be boring Georgia that sucks and can't do anything? Or is it going to be, you know, are they going to blow somebody out like they did Kentucky? I'm going to go with Missouri here. I think Missouri's able to keep it closer. But uh, I still think Georgia wins uh, by maybe even double digits, but less than 15 and a half. I agree. It, it feels like to me there has been kind of that roulette with Georgia, and last week they did cover against Florida, so this week I'm going to say they don't again. Missouri's really good. The defense has been excellent. Uh, Luther Burden, probably the best receiver in the country, not named Marvin Harrison. Uh, it's a good Missouri team. I, I think they keep it close within 15 and a half. And if you remember, I, I forget if it was last year or two years ago, I think it was last year, Missouri almost beat Georgia just yeah. like randomly. Yeah. And that Missouri yeah. team was not as good as this one was. And, yeah. you know, that Georgia team was better than this one was. Uh, okay. Number nine, Oklahoma is minus six at number 22, Oklahoma State. Oh, man. I've been waffling back and forth on this one because, you know, this, I mean, every year probably, you know, this game is like the Super Bowl for Oklahoma State. It is now like the Super Bowl times a thousand. Because it's probably your last bedlam with Oklahoma leaving the conference. If you're Oklahoma State, a win here would more than likely bury Oklahoma in the Big 12 title race. Yeah. And also, if you're Oklahoma State, put you right there as being kind of the top dog in the Big 12 title race. So this is the Super Bowl of all Super Bowls for Mike Gundy and the Oklahoma State Cowboys, who historically have really not done well against Oklahoma. Uh, so I don't know. You can look at that one of two ways, right? You can look at it as, well, they're going to come out and be very inspired and try to win this game. Or are they going to are they going to crack under the pressure of, of, of how insignificant this game is? We look at the Oklahoma side of things. They've obviously got everything to play for, too, right? Trying to bounce back after a loss to Kansas. You know, the win against Texas for Oklahoma kind of allowed them the opportunity to have a slip-up game and still be right there in the Big 12 title race. Can't do it two weeks in a row, though. Can't do it two weeks in a row. Uh, so I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean Oklahoma State here. I, I honestly don't know who's going to win this game. I think Oklahoma State keeps it close enough to where it's less than a six-point game, but I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, is, is Alan Bowman really going to win? I, I don't know. But they have Ollie Gordon, Ollie Heisman. You know, uh, you know if, he, uh, if they win this game and he goes off, that that is going to start being uh, a real yes, conversation. By yes, the way, hundred uh, percent with the way he's been playing. So, get, dude, I, I don't know. This is the game that I have. I don't have. I haven't had a feel on it all week. I think Oklahoma State keeps it close though, so I'm going to go with the Cowboys. But uh, man, dude, I don't know who's going to win. They've played 117 times prior to this one. Oklahoma State's won, like, what, 10 times? Oklahoma State's won 19. Okay. That's it. <laughs> Oklahoma's dominated this series. But, to your point, it's in Stillwater. Which, what's up with that schedule? How did they get K-State, Kansas, and Oklahoma all at home this year? Anyway. Oh, by the way, they missed Texas. Yeah. And, the, and they got to play all four of the newcomer schools. Unbelievable. Which they all suck. Anyway, um, Oklahoma State has gotten the running game going, which you mentioned, Ollie Gordon. OU, we saw that they, if, if you have a good running game, you, you can get a little bit there. And I think Ollie Gordon's going to have a good game there. Um, I kind of think Oklahoma wins, but I think Oklahoma State keeps it close. Uh, number five, Washington is minus three at number 20, USC. Oh, slam dunk Washington. I mean, this is this this could arguably be my lock of the week. Wow. <laughs> Washington is going to steamroll these clowns, man. <laughs> USC stinks. They don't have a defense. They're just bad. They're just bad, man. Uh, so give me, give me Washington. Uh, they might Washington might win this game big. To be okay. honest, I mean, what does USC? What does USC have to play for now? Nothing, because they're they frauds. can still make the Pac-12 title. Suck. Well, no, they, they only suck. have one loss in the Pac-12. That doesn't fit my narrative. They <laughs> suck. Uh, give me Washington. So I am going to go with USC. 
Washington has been playing with fire the last two weeks. They beat Stanford in a game that Stanford should have converted a fourth down, and the guy just dropped a wide-open pass. Yeah. And then if they convert the fourth down, they probably score to take the lead late in the game. Um, Arizona State probably should have beat them. So the last two weeks, Washington's been you know leaking oil a little bit here. USC, for, for them, this is their season at this point. Because if you lose this one now, too, you have three losses. You're yeah, probably you're already out of the college football playoff, but you can at least still win a Pac-12 title. Um, this is a chance for Caleb Williams to try to win back some, you know, hype and, and stuff like that. I'm going to go with USC wins the game outright. Number 14 LSU is at number eight Alabama. The Crimson Tide giving up three points. Yeah, anyway, have you seen Jaden Daniels is now like the favorite to win Heisman? That just doesn't seem right. I just like I don't think he's like that good. Yeah, that doesn't I think seem he's right. Good, but he's that not like I don't right. know. Yeah, uh, hey. Roll Tide, mm. baby. Roll Tide. I'm telling. I've been. I've said it. You know, like a month ago. Alabama's going to win the SEC. I'm well, by the way, you I'm can get Bama. Serious. If you're interested they're in this win sort of the thing, SEC. you can get Alabama to win the national title right now at 15-1. to 1. Yeah, they're, they're going to win the SEC, you. and they're going to be in the playoff. I sw- I, I'm being so serious. They're going to win no, the I SEC believe it. in the playoff. I believe so I'm it. taking Alabama here. Yeah, I'm taking Bama too. LSU beat them last year, so it's also a revenge game for them. Um, give me Bama minus three. What is your lock of the week where you are 4-4-1, four, four, and one, I am 6-3 and three in college football? All right, my lock of the week, I am going with the Rutgers Scarlet Knights oh. against Ohio State, plus 18 and a half. Rutgers, baby, at They're what, home. like 6-2? and two? They're 6-2. and two. They've got a lot to play for. Ohio State's rolling into town. Uh, uh, honestly, is, is the Michigan game next week? No. No, that's the uh, end of the regular season, so that's... Okay. Several weeks down the road. So yeah, okay, but I'm still gonna I'm going with I'm going with Rutgers here, man. You don't just roll into Piscataway, New Jersey, and get a W by more than 19 points. So I am picking Rutgers. They're gonna lose, but they're gonna cover the uh, the 18 and a half. Give me the Scarlet Knights, baby. They're six and two. They're gonna put the chip on the shoulder. Keep it close. They're gonna lose, but they're gonna cover. I've been saying Arizona is the best three-loss team in the country, and what yeah, do you put know? Put your money where your mouth is. They beat Oregon State last week, and uh, you know they almost beat Washington and USC. I am going to put my money where my mouth is. They're playing at home, late-night game against UCLA, top twenty-five team. Uh, UCLA has been kind of rotating quarterbacks, so you're going to be going on the road, tough environment to play. Arizona is getting two and a half points. I think they continue the trend, best three-loss team in the country, and they get a win over UCLA. All right, on to the NFL, where you are 27-12-1. I am 21-19. First up, we have the Germany game. Miami, Kansas City, Chiefs giving up a point and a half. Wow, I am really good at the NFL, Mm -hmm. man. I got to start following my actual picks that I say on the show, (laughs) because I don't always do that. Uh, All right, Kansas City taking on Miami. Chiefs, obviously. By the way, I don't know if you saw... But uh, the Chiefs, they're doing this uh, thing where they are basically not going to try to adjust their bodies. Yeah, to I don't love that. They're like they they flew in like this morning. Yep, and they're just gonna stay on their U.S. like U.S. body clock, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I don't. We'll see how that works out for them. But uh, I don't think it's yeah. smart. You have a bye week the very next week. Just readjust then. Listen, if you give me the Chiefs, I'm taking the Chiefs. Okay. Chiefs. I'm taking Miami. I don't like that. Uh, it didn't work for the Bills when they did similar stuff against uh, the Jags a couple weeks ago. So uh, I think also, I, I don't know. I, I just, if if the Dolphins offense gets going and puts up 20, it, it sounds crazy for me to say this when you have a Patrick Mahomes-led offense. Because of the lack of talent that you have at receivers and how much you're struggling to figure that out, if the Dolphins put up 28 points, I don't know if the Chiefs are going to get there. Mm. 
So wow. I'm taking the Dolphins. Uh, Seattle is at Baltimore. The Ravens are giving up six points. Keep drinking that haterade, man, for the Chiefs. Uh, anyway, Seattle and Baltimore. Oh, this is a this is actually a, a a really tough game because Seattle is sneaky, very good right now. But Baltimore also looks like maybe a top five team in the league, right? So, uh, dude, a six point spread. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Seattle here. I think Baltimore probably wins, but Seattle is gonna keep it close enough. I think so. I'll go with the Seahawks here. But uh, Baltimore's going to get the win. Seattle covers. So th- this seems like a big line to me, which makes me think it that the Vegas knows something yes, line. It does seem like a big line. Um, well, you know, Seattle's got it. They got to travel. And it's your jet lag. This theory. is jet lag, yes. Because this is a noon game. This is jet lag, yes. And it's going from West Coast all Correct. the way to the East Coast. Yes. Uh, Lamar Jackson is also, uh, I-, I think it was 15 and 1 or 15 and 2 before the Arizona game. Won that one. So now he's like 16 and 1, 16 and yeah. 2 versus the NFC. I think in his he's 16 career. and 1, yeah. So he's been unbelievable against the NFC. Um, yeah, I'm going to take the Ravens with the, uh, by the way, their defense, uh, they added, uh, Roquan Smith and, uh, ever since adding him going back to last year through this year, number one defense by DVOA since that point, man, Dallas is at Philadelphia. The Eagles are giving up three points. Yeah. Uh, probably the game of the week. I would think, I mean, I don't know. You, you got a lot of good games this week in the NFL yeah, actually. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Philadelphia. I'm just not buying Dallas right now. Uh, we, we I think we talked about it earlier in the week. They they beat up on bad teams, but they can't seem to get over the hump against good teams. So I'm going to take Philadelphia here. Uh, fly, Eagles, fly. I, too, will be taking the Eagles for similar reasons. Buffalo is at Cincinnati. This is Sunday Night Football. The Bengals are giving up two points. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Cincinnati. Uh, I, listen, th- this is a this is a narrative pick for me. Yeah, I've been saying. That the Bengals are are gonna you know go on a run and they're gonna be in the playoffs they're gonna be tough to beat this is a narrative pick I have to go with the Bengals yeah <laughs> give me Cincinnati I'm going Cincinnati as well I wouldn't be shocked though if it's Buffalo I mean this is a possible playoff revenge game for them but I am gonna take Cincinnati I think they're the better team they're at home uh, L A Chargers Monday Night Football give it up three and a half points at the Jets of New York yeah dude what a <laughs> game here by the way on Monday Night Football I mean I don't even know I don't even want to pick this I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Chargers I guess okay. I mean. This is a for their season game for the Chargers. They're three and four. You lose to the you lose to the Jets. It's implode the franchise. You're done. It's game over. Uh, I I mean seriously. I, I don't. I, you know if you lose this game, I would be bringing in Brandon Staley, giving him a fortune cookie that says, "Hey, hot shot. You're fired." <laughs> That's what I'd be doing okay. from, from the Chargers. So uh, for that reason, I'm gonna pick the Chargers. I think I think they'll. I think it, for their season. They will uh, They will persevere. I'm going and, uh, Jets. Give okay. them three and a half. Playing yeah. at home. Defense has done well against some of the better quarterbacks. Uh, lock of the week, you're three and five. I'm four and four in the NFL. What do you got? My lock of the week is the New York Giants. They are getting two points against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. So the Raiders are favored by two. I, I, I mean, listen, I do not envy the Las Vegas uh, bookmaker who had to sit there and make this line. <laughs> I mean, you got the Raiders who just fired their coach. They're going to be starting a new quarterback and Aiden O'Connell. And then you got the Giants, who are just bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it just and Saquon Barkley's questionable, which is terrible for my fantasy team, by the way. But uh, yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the Giants. I, I think the Giants are, I, I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to say they're the better team, but mm-hmm. like, you would think firing a coach plus starting a new quarterback would result in not good things for the Raiders. I'm taking the Giants. Okay, going with Tommy DeVito. Interesting. 
Um, okay, I am going to go with the under in Cleveland, Arizona. It's 37.5. Clayton Toon starting for Arizona, I believe. Cleveland's got a good defense. And also, I don't know if Deshaun Watson's going to be back or not. But either way, Arizona's defense has been kind of feisty. I'll take the under 37.5 there. Uh, that's our game picks. Two hours down, one to go. KU football, players to watch, and KU game picks coming up next on RCST with KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in. 5 o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We're going to have your uh, KU football game for you on Saturday, Kansas at Iowa State. Pre-game will start at 4.30. Kickoff will be at 6 o'clock tomorrow. Tonight we have some high school football coming at you too. Free State's going to be at Manhattan. That one will be at 7 o'clock. Pre-game 6.45 over on 92.9 The Bull and bull929.com. Meanwhile, for Lawrence High, they're going to be playing right here on KLWN. They're at Derby. That one at 7, pregame 645 again here on KLWN. And then uh, Monday, we'll have your KU basketball game for you. That one will eat a little bit into the show and start at uh, 530 with tip-off at 7 o'clock. All right, so we got to get to our players to watch and our KU game picks. Uh, Let's start with the uh, KU players to watch. Uh, KU offense, Iowa State defense, player to watch. Yeah, I think uh, for the KU offense, I kind of want to go with, I don't know, man, you got uh, maybe Daniel Highshaw, I think, is maybe the best answer here because. Uh, as you as you talked about earlier in the week, this this was the game last year where he got hurt, and it, it clearly did impact the KU offense. And Iowa State's defense was obviously was playing really really well. Also, uh, so Daniel Highshaw might be the guy to watch here. I mean, you know him and him and Devin Neal have such a unique uh, a unique bond and, and a unique relationship to where things just work for them, right? One guy uh, is is if one guy's going, the other guy can can pick him up as well. So. Uh, yeah, I think Daniel Hyshaw might be the answer here. I, I was I was thinking about picking like a Mason Fairchild or somebody like that in the passing game because I do think the passing game is going to have to make some plays here in this game against Iowa State, uh, given the defense that Iowa State plays in. Which that's a little that's a little scary because of the fact that Iowa State's defense has been so opportunistic with turnovers. They've got an interception in five straight games, uh, which is pretty impressive. So uh, I'm a little nervous about that, but I'll go with Daniel Daniel Hyshaw here. You know, I'll be curious to see what KU's game plan is because you go back to last year and KU really struggled against Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State's defense did a great job of of kind of holding the Jayhawks down throughout the course of that game last season. And Iowa State probably feels like they should have won that game in Lawrence last year if it weren't for some poorly executed special teams plays that they had. So uh, the the KU offense is definitely going to step step up and make some plays. Uh, Jason Bean is going to have to, uh, you know, create a little bit and probably do some things. And uh, but yeah, Daniel Highshaw is the guy that I'm going to be watching because he he just runs with such a reckless abandon and he's just such a, a powerful player. But he's got that perfect mix of balance as well with strength. And so uh, Daniel Highshaw is the guy I'll be keeping an eye on. What his what his, what is his impact in the game uh, tonight against or tomorrow night against uh, Iowa State? Yeah, I I would totally echo the uh, Daniel Highshaw thing just to to pick somebody else for the sake of it. Um, when I'm looking at the past games for Iowa State, there's really not a lot that I mean they're number one in the Big Twelve in yards allowed per pass, in completion percentage against, and passer efficiency against. They haven't played the toughest schedule. There's one team that did pass on them. That was Oklahoma. Oklahoma threw for 366 yards, averaged 9.4 yards per attempt. Gabriel ended up with a 96.7 total QBR in that game. So they were able to throw the ball on Iowa State. And when I'm looking at it, like Drake Stoops only had 32 yards. So, you know, they, they did a good job against the the slot guy. Stogner, their, uh, their tight end, only had one catch in the game. Jaleel Farouk, who 
I don't know. It's, it's hard to say who the number one is for Oklahoma because they, they have just a bunch of guys. Like sometimes it's Nick Anderson, sometimes it's Farouk. Um, but TJ Tampa is an All American level corner for Iowa State. So I almost view it as like maybe he slows down Lawrence Arnold. They clearly have shown well against tight ends and slot receivers. Maybe that means Quentin Skinner steps up in this game. So, uh, yeah, Skinner, I guess, will be the guy I go with outside of Daniel Hyshaw. Uh, but, yeah, Hyshaw, I mean, you're going to have to run the ball physically between the tackles because they're going to have a good perimeter defense. They're going to have a good uh, perimeter defense to stop the running game, and they're going to have a good passing defense. So uh, I guess yeah. those would be kind of the ones. As far as the Iowa State defense, I, I mentioned TJ Tampa. I mean, that dude, uh, unbelievable cover corner. He is one of the best in the entire country. But the one that can really um, – I guess cause you issues is Jeremiah Cooper. Yeah. In terms of he has five interceptions, he has a pick six, he yeah. leads the team in that I regard. I think he's I think he's a little banged up uh, okay. coming into this game. So I don't know exactly what his I think uh, Matt Campbell said earlier in the week that it was kind of 50-50 if he was going to play. So that might be something to keep an eye on. Uh but yeah, Cooper was going to be the guy that I was going to point out too because if he does play, he is he's he's the guy that's like the Kobe Bryant type for mm-hmm. Iowa State. He's the guy that that can be very opportunistic and jump up and, and make big plays. So he's he's the guy that I probably want to keep an eye on in the secondary. Uh, in terms of you want to be careful when you're throwing in his area because he's a very, very aggressive and opportunistic corner and, and, and will try to jump some routes and make some plays. And to that end, you know, maybe Quentin Skinner is the guy you look at. You know, maybe you can get him to, to bite on something up closer to the line of scrimmage and maybe a, with a, a guy like Quentin Skinner and his speed, he can get behind the defense. Uh, so, yeah, Cooper's, Cooper was going to be the guy that I was going to highlight as well just because he leads the, the Big 12 in interceptions with five. And uh, he he has benefited a bit, I think, from Tampa being such a lockdown guy on the other side because teams have been throwing more at him, and he's he's benefited from that with making some big plays. But uh, so he's he'll, he'll be a guy that I'm going to keep an eye on uh, in this game. Yeah. So uh, that that's definitely interesting. Uh, what about the flip side, Iowa State offense plus the uh, KU defense? Yeah, I think for Iowa State offensively, uh, it's going to come down to Rocco Becht. I mean, he's 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 been inconsistent at times, not the best, but as a freshman, but. You know, this is Iowa State's real first real prime time game. If you think about it, at home, uh, you know, so the pressure is just as much on them, I think, it is as it is on Kansas because these are two programs that, uh, you know, I hate to say that didn't expect to be here, but basically didn't expect to be fighting for essentially first place in the Big Twelve right now. Uh, so, you know, on both sides, how do they respond? Kansas has a six-year senior with Jason Bean. You think that that gives them a little bit of an edge in terms of experience and in terms of you know responding to that that prime time under the lights atmosphere. And then for Iowa State, they've got the home field advantage playing at home, but Rocco Beck's still just a freshman. And I want to see KU take advantage of 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 Rocco in this game. I want to see I want to see them you know either get some sacks on him, get some interceptions. I know that Iowa State's offense is their first in the Big Twelve in sacks allowed, right? They've yes, the best, which is uh, odd because their pass blocking grade on Pro Football Focus is 124th. Yeah, so they they've been the they've been the best, which that might be a little bit of a fool's gold, like you mentioned. So let's see this KU defensive line get after Iowa State, uh, and let's see maybe these KU corners and secondary make some plays as well uh, against Iowa State also. So Rocco Beck is the guy that I'm looking at because I think he's kind of the key to everything for what Iowa State's trying to do. Whether they're successful or not successful will kind of hinge on his play. So uh, I'm I'm going to be keeping an eye on him. Yeah, I, I think that's a good one. And, and can Kansas, like you said, kind of heat him up and, and put some complex stuff out there? Uh, the guy that I'm watching for the Iowa State offense, I don't know. I, like, I, I kind of want to say Jaden Higgins. He's the team's leading receiver, 512 yards. He only has 28 catches, so he's averaging 18 yards per catch. He's somebody who can blow the door off the defense and make a big play in a game that could be a little bit more lower scoring than some of the past games for KU. Um, 
But I also kind of want to go with their running back in Eli Sanders. He's averaging 4.8 yards per carry, 353 on the ground. Not a ton of huge numbers that jump out, but what have we seen? Every Big 12 game so far, KU's given up at least 200 rushing yards. Can this be the game that you finally hold somebody under 200 rushing yards? Because I think that would uh, behoove you well in uh, this type of environment. Yeah, uh, and that, that would obviously put more pressure on Rocco. Exactly, also. exactly. Uh, as far as the KU defense for me, I mean, um, I don't know how much, you know, Mellow Dotson is going to play. Brian Borland talked about earlier this week on the Jayhawker podcast that he kind of expects him to play. Is he going to be limited here or there? If he does play a full load, I think he's somebody to watch because we've seen teams avoid Kobe Bryant. Can you make another big play like you did against Oklahoma? Because the opportunities will possibly be there. I mean, if you're playing in the game and you're coming off an injury, you're especially going to be a target for the offensive side of the ball. So uh, that becomes the guy to watch for me, that they kind of need him to play a big game. Yeah, beyond that, uh, Lance Leipold mentioned on Monday about how there were a lot of guys that were kind of banged mm-hmm. up a little bit. So I, I don't. Yeah, he didn't really dive deeper into that just because that's that that's how it is. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm, I I think that's a good one with Melo Dotson because you're right. If he's out there, I'm sure Iowa State's going to be targeting him uh, a bit. But I want to kind of circle back to what I was mentioning with Rocco on the offense for Iowa State is Iowa State doesn't give up a lot of sacks, but this KU pass rush has been ferocious most of the season. Mm-hmm. Austin Booker, go out there and and do your thing, man. Go out there and do your thing. Get get after the quarterback. Make some plays against Rocco. I'm watching uh, Austin Booker and really this entire pass rush for Kansas as a whole in this game because it feels like even though as I mentioned Iowa State's offense is, is best in the Big 12 in giving up sacks so far in terms of just giving up sacks, it's that still feels like it's something that should be exploitable for KU. And uh, I think Austin Booker is a guy to, to definitely keep an eye on in the in the, uh, in the pass rush department for KU in this game. Do you want to give a special teams one? Uh, well, you know, interestingly enough, I do want to say this about special teams. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, Iowa State special teams have been a lot better as well. Their yes. kicker is 15 for 19, I think, Chase on the Contreras, year. Yeah, yeah, 15 of 19, and he's hit eight field goals 40 yards or longer. Yeah, he's he hit a 56-yarder. Yeah, he's hit yeah. two beyond 50. He's two for two beyond 50. He was not the kicker last year. Yeah. So yeah, they, so they, they were like, hey, they, this yeah, is not they, good. We they did upgrade. the same thing that KU did, mm-hmm. right? They realized that they had a weakness, and they kind of went out and, and, and fixed it. So... Uh, I don't know. I'd be hard pressed to say that KU has an advantage in the kicking game in this game, you know. And then you go, you flash back to last year. That was why KU won the game, <laughs> you know. So I, I think uh, for special teams, I, I think Iowa State's probably feeling a lot more confident this year than they were last year about it. Yeah. And that that's that might be reflected in some of their decision making. But uh, so we'll we'll see. We'll see. I I honestly I think the guy to watch for KU is probably Trevor Wilson. I mean, yeah. he gets a lot on kick return and punt return. But last week he dropped the one on kick return. Yeah. Was it? A, Two weeks before against Oklahoma State, they dropped the punt. Mm, I think Am I misremembering so, yeah. that? Um, maybe that was against you. I, I don't know. Uh, they could use a big return from him in a game like this. You're playing really good defense. Yeah. Bust a big one. What about point. the football thunder down under? Damon Greaves. Damon Greaves. Honestly, this is probably going to be the game that he has used the most. Could be. Among all yeah. their games so far. So, yes, yeah. that's probably actually a good answer. Yeah. Could be. So, you want you know, make sure your punting game is solid mm-hmm. because, you know, again— the Iowa State offense, it's they're not a they're not a particularly scary offense when you look at them on the stat sheet, but and because of that, you want to force them to go down the field even farther, right? You want you want to put them in, and make them execute all the way down the field. All right, KU game picks. Uh, you are seven and nine. I am five and eleven. Kansas is plus two and a half. Oh yeah, Kansas. Give me Kansas. Uh, I. I I don't. I don't know, man. I mean, it's a night game at Ames. I get all the crap about the stats of oh, night games at Ames. It's so hard to win there. 
I do not care. Jason Bean, I think, is going to, to build off of his performance against Oklahoma, the positives of his performance against Oklahoma. And it's it's very clear that KU's messaging all week has been, let's not have a letdown after a big win. Let's not have a letdown after a big win. That's what everybody's been saying, the players, coaches, everybody. And I just I think that that messaging is going to get through to those guys, and I expect Kansas to come out fired up and ready to play and recognizing that you know, it, this is this this is the game where you back up the the talk of we want to go play for a Big Twelve title. This is the game where you back it up, right? You did it at home against Oklahoma, but this this is the game where you really back it up mm-hmm. on the road in a primetime environment. If you want to be if you want to be a Big Twelve title team, a legitimate contender for the Big Twelve title, you go out and you win this game on the road. And I think that's exactly what Kansas is going to do. I'm taking uh, Kansas plus two and a half. I just my, my biggest worry here is if this game was played in Lawrence, I'd be picking Kansas. If this game was played on neutral field, I'd be picking Kansas. It's the combo of playing in Ames, very tough place to play. Playing at night makes it an even tougher place to play. And playing off of the Oklahoma game. We see this all the time in college football. 18 to 22-year-olds, you have a letdown after a big game like that. Yeah. And Kansas obviously has had that many times since right. they've gotten some big wins. So I, I kind of think Kansas is the better team. That's my biggest worry, though. So I am going to go with Iowa State. It's also one of those, like, does Vegas know something lines? Like, why is Kansas the ranked team? Against a team who lost to Ohio well, they, yeah, earlier they, this year, they right? know that they, they know that uh, it's tough to win in Ames, and you know to Iowa State's credit, I mean they're not a you know they're five and three, they're no slouch. You know, of course, won three yeah, they're tied row. first in Big Twelve. Yeah, yeah, that, I'm going to go Iowa State, but I don't feel great about it either way. Okay. Uh, over under is fifty three and a half. Hey, I'm going to go under on that. Uh, I'm going to go under. I don't see this game being a, a very high scoring affair, really, uh, because I think both teams are going to be probably not able to score consistently. And uh, I would expect that for Iowa State, they probably want to play a more of a low-scoring game. That's probably so. the game that they think they have a better chance of winning. So they're probably going to try to lean into that a little bit more. And and KU, while they are explosive, they're not necessarily a, you know they're not necessarily a high up tempo offense. So I think I think the pace of this game is going to be probably a bit slower than what we've seen uh, over the past. You know, you think about KU's past couple opponents: Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, teams that want to go fast. I think this game's not going to be like that. I think it's going to be played at a much slower pace, which. I, on one hand, if you're sitting in the Iowa State uh, foot locker room, you're thinking, okay, slower pace probably favors us. On the flip side, for Kansas, Kansas is probably going to be welcoming a slower pace also because the defense more has has shown to have more success uh, against teams that don't run up-tempo offenses. And I think for KU offensively, they're fine playing at any pace, really. Mm-hmm. So even though Iowa State probably feels that, it, that, that that favors them to play slower, I think from the Kansas perspective, they probably welcome that also. So I'm going to go under here on 53. I, I don't think Iowa State's offense is going to have that much success. This is the game, I think, for KU where, you know, we, we've talked about the stats of how great KU's been at home versus on the road. This is a game where you have a chance, I think, against uh, an offense that, while still dangerous, is not one of the best in the Big 12 to go out and kind of rewrite that narrative a little bit, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and I think the KU offense is going to be able to do enough with Devin Neal, Daniel Hyshaw. Jason Meade's going to make some plays, but I think it's going to go under. Uh, I'll take the under on 53. I'm taking under as well. 28-24, that sounds about right. That'd be slightly under. Could be 24-21, could be 24-20. I mean, last year was 14-11. to I think it'll be higher <laughs> scoring than last year, but yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know much more. I will say, uh, if you're looking at doing any prop bets, here's the ones that, that stood out to me that are up there right now in DraftKings. Uh, Daniel Hyshaw, over .5 rushing touchdowns, is plus 170. So I like that. Wow, yeah. That's um, good. And then I don't know which one of these three I want to play. I might sprinkle on a couple of them, uh, but you can get over .5 receiving touchdowns. Trevor Wilson is plus 1,000. Wow. Luke Grimm is plus 370, and Devin Neal is plus 850. Mm. Devin Neal hasn't had a receiving touchdown in a while. 
Yeah, the Trevor Wilson one is interesting considering just because the odds. Maybe that's a sprinkle in the rim is more of a regular play. Him with Jason Bean. So do what you will on those, but uh, yeah, that's our KU game picks. All right, got a uh, player preview, some player audio with Dewan Harris, some KU football audio after that. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson. Nick is uh, headed off to high school football. You can hear that tonight. Lawrence High will be at Derby High School at 7 o'clock, pregame 645. Sam Speck, Matt Llewellyn will be on the call of that one at 7 o'clock down at Derby. Again, here on KLWN and KLWN.com. Meanwhile, for the Free State High School football game, they're on the road against Manhattan High School. And uh, that one also pregame 645, kickoff at 7 o'clock for the Firebirds and uh, over in Manhattan. Nick Springer is going to be on the call of that one with Nolan Henderson at 7 over on 92.9 The Bowl and Bowl929.com. We got your KU football game coming at you tomorrow. That'll be pregame 430 for the Crimson and Blue Show. Kickoff at 6 o'clock for the Jayhawks and the Cyclones in Ames. Here right here on your original home for the Hawks with KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. You can also listen to it on our sister station, with 105.9 KISS. Continuing on with uh, some of our player previews, next up is Dewan Harris. Before we get into that, here is uh, an opportunity to hear from Dewan during KU Men's Basketball Media Day. Is there a reason you wear number three? Does that, that jersey number mean anything to you? Uh, well, my uncles know them. They, my, one of my uncles wore it back in high school. I wore it in high school, but then my granny washed both of my jerseys, and they ended up turning different colors. <laughs> So I had to change my jersey to 10, and then when I got here, I changed it back to 3. But I feel like I always liked the number 3. When I played, like, NBA 2K or something, I always, since I was young, I always made my jersey number number 3. If I play football, any football games, I'll be number 3. It's just I think it's just a lucky number for me. And I, I'm just carrying it away, so... Do you play 2K the same way you play on the court? Are you a passer first or not? Uh, on 2K, I'm a scorer. I shoot a lot of threes. Deep threes, I just I be ball hogging a lot, but that's two K, so that's the point. Yeah, it's a chance to do something different, yeah. right? Uh, so, what are some of the things that you feel like you've improved on the most here over the offseason? Uh, just really my three point shooting, being consistent. I think I, I've been working on a, working on that a lot, and my coaches have been on me a lot about that. And that's mainly that's the main point for me, just being consistent. And then you know, because they know they, they go on the screens or back off me, so I just got to be ready to step up, and make all the shots. Who's a player that's going to surprise us this year? Um, I can say Johnny. I can say Omarco, Nick. I mean, I can, all our new players. I think to me, because you know they're, they're all still learning. Learning. A lot of them came from high school. Some some of them came from a new college, so they just learned a new system. But they, once they get all the pieces, well, that's once we get our pieces down, we'll be everybody be rolling pretty soon towards the end of the year. So you know, it's been a long year, so it's a learning process. Do you have a favorite Halloween costume that you've ever worn? Uh, usually when I dress up for Halloween, or I, if I go to like a party, so I just dress up, put some clothes on. I really don't be dressing up. I think like my sophomore year here, I dress up as a referee, so I'll probably say that. Yeah. Okay. And uh, do you have favorite Halloween candy? Candy, Twix. I, I got to give it to Twix. Yeah. Awesome. Who, who would you say is the best shooter on the team? Uh, probably Nick or Jank. They both they can shoot it. And who's the best overall athlete? Overall athlete, oh, KJ. Yeah, KJ. <laughs> Do you and Kevin ever argue back and forth who the better defender is? Uh, we don't argue about that, but we'll probably argue about something that's going on <laughs> on the court. But that's just something what brothers do anyways. But 
No, we don't talk about that because we know we both know we can guard any anybody in the country, and with us two both on the court, it just makes it easier for both of us. So that was Dewan Harris. Cool catching up with him at KU Men's Basketball Media Day and looking to continue to build off a really strong season he had last year and, uh, you know, continue to improve. And, and he's been such a important player for KU in the heartbeat of this team. As far as the player preview for him, uh, when I look at the ceiling, when when I look at the floor and, and what's most likely to come out of all this, for me, the ceiling for Dewan Harris is, you know, I, I don't know that the output statistically looks that different than what it was last year. I think last year you're looking at like, what, eight, eight and a half points per game, six and a half assists per game, being the Big 12 defensive uh, conference uh, defensive player of the year. And it, I, I thought it was surprising he wasn't on any of the first, second, or third team all Big 12s last year. But like, I, I feel like there's more respect that has come his way this year. Like, he's on the preseason all Big 12 first team this year to where. I could see him having like pretty similar output to last year, nine points, seven assists per game, uh, where it's like slightly better than it was last season. Maybe the efficiency is around the same. Maybe it's better. Maybe it's worse. I don't know. Uh, but he ends up on an all Big Twelve first team, and I don't know if that would have to do much with it just being like, oh, well, last year he wasn't an all Big Twelve player, and this year he is. Like, I, I don't know if that's truly the ceiling, or if that's just more the award voters would recognize it more and be more willing to put him up there to where he could even be the same player and just get more award recognition from it. But I think the ceiling for you're looking at with DeWan is that maybe he gets 10, 11 points per game. Maybe the offensive game grows a little bit. Maybe the three-point shooting in terms of the attempts and the aggressiveness grows a little bit. Maybe having Hunter Dickinson and some of these guys down low, maybe he can get up to seven or eight assists per game. Um, but I, I think the ceiling realistically is pretty similar to was it what it, what it was last year. And the good news is that's uh, a point guard who two years ago was good enough for you to win the national title and a point guard last year good enough to be arguably the most valuable player on the team. Certainly he was up there um, in terms of just the value content on a team that was a one seed. So I, I think the ceiling is is pretty actualized, to be completely honest. If you're looking at the floor, it probably would have to do with like, I mean, injuries is always going to be a floor for any player, but I think the floor for Dewan Harris this year would, he's still going to be a starting level point guard. He's still going to be one of the best point guards in the Big 12 and in the country. The floor would probably just involve Dewan shooting the three ball, the lower percentage, right? I mean, he shoot it more, shot it more selectively last year, shot about 40%. What happens if he shoots selectively again and it's only 32% or it's only 28%, right? Uh, at that point, is that the floor? Or, or maybe there's a little bit more turnovers. Or maybe uh, because of the big role he's going to have to put on offense and with a thinner team, maybe he's going to have to play a lot of minutes and you can't always put him on a really good offensive player and his defensive impact goes down just a little bit. So I think the I think the floor and the ceiling for Dewan are probably the closest to each other of any of the players on KU. Maybe Hunter Dickinson would, would be the other one that you would throw up there because the floor is still really good. The ceiling is is excellent for, for both players. But I think with Dewan, uh, the floor and the ceiling are close enough together. And I do think actualizing everything, it is most likely that he is closer to the ceiling and all this. But yeah, the floor would just involve a little less efficient and still being one of the best point guards kind of in the Big 12 and uh, in the country and everything. So you feel good about where you are with the uh, point guard spot and with Dewan Harris. All right, we're going to take a timeout. We've got some KU football audio from the offensive and defensive side of the ball that we had a chance to get to earlier this week with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. So we'll share that for you 
on the other side, including with Jason Bean. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Shock Sports Talk. We got high school football coming at you tonight. 7 o'clock LHS on KLWN. 7 o'clock Free State over on 92.9 The Bull. And then you can tune in to the uh, KU football game on Saturday. Iowa State, 6 o'clock. Pre-game, 4.30 right here on KLWN. Depending on it.